0: This is Celebration Church, but it's more than just a building or a church. We have a calling to be a place where people can find a relationship with God instead of religion. A place where freedom is found and acceptance
1: given, and every person can discover their purpose and experience the kind of fulfillment only God can give. Together we will raise, lead, and empower a generation to change the world here, Jesus is famous, and all the glory goes to God. This is celebration. This is our family. Welcome home. Well, hello. How's everyone doing? Good job, Christian. Did you bring your own fan club with you? I heard I heard clapping after your part was done. And I was like, he brought someone with him. I think I don't know. <laughs> All right, well welcome everyone joining us online, who did not hear that, uh, but uh, we're just glad to have you guys with us. Would everyone please stand with me as we recite together the Apostles' Creed? This is our statement of faith and what we believe here at Celebration church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the Creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit. the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Well, at this point in our service, we uh, just like to pause for a moment and uh, remind people that this is a time uh, to give. You can, When you give here at Celebration Church, now we're not doing the handing out the buckets deal anymore, but if you do have cash or checks, you can actually hand those um, into the ushers. They'll have buckets as you leave uh, the sanctuary this morning. Otherwise, like if you're watching online, you can give online, celebrationchurch.tv slash give. And then we've got our app as well. You can give on there as well. So thank you all so much for your faithfulness and to continue supporting what we do here at Celebration Church. Ah, oh, I need a drink here. Really working up a sweat, I guess, this morning. Because I had to wear a jean jacket so I look cool when I'm preaching and it's like hot outside. Things I do for the Lord, right? <laughs> This morning, I'm going to be preaching out of uh, of Ephesians, and as I was going through this, I kind of came up with my little thesis statement here, and it is is this. I'm going to share it with you at the top. All right, there is no such thing as a believer who is not gifted to do ministry in the body of Christ. I'll say it again. There's no such thing as a believer who is not gifted to do ministry in the body of Christ. You see, we were all, you know, when we came and if you're here this morning and you consider yourself a Christian believer, you're watching with us, say, so yes, I'm a Christ follower. Guess what? You were created to be involved in this ministry. You know, Ephesians 2.10 says this, it says, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works. That means that's work that needs to be done that is good. Like, oh, I broke that down for you in case you are confused on what they mean there. All right, so if something that requires you to do some work, that's good. And then is it for good? Yes, okay, then I'm doing good works. That's what we are called to do in Christ Jesus. It says for God, or for which God prepared in advance for us to do. All right, in other words, there's, we are not supposed to just be spectators. Christianity is not a spectator sport. Now, maybe you're at that point where you're just trying to regularly show up you know, the majority of Sundays in the year, that's all right, <laughs> no problem. But at some point we need to become actively involved in this thing and we're all called to do it, every, every single one of us. Uh, now I was fortunate enough growing up to where I was in church all the time. You can say, well sure, your dad was a pastor. He actually did not start pastoring his first church till I was out of the house and married. So grew up, he's just starting a small business, small business owner, my mom was a school teacher. We were there every Sunday. And when I mean we were there Sunday, that means if there were one service, we were there for the one service. If there was two services, we were there for two services. If there was a third one, thankfully they didn't add a third one, we would have been there for the third one. And it wasn't because my parents were hoping that, you know, if the first message didn't stick in my brain, maybe the second one would. (laughs) It was because we were a part of what the ministry was doing. It's because they really got and understood the fact that, hey, we're supposed to be here, we're supposed to be involved, we're a part of this. This isn't something just, we show up and it's something, you know, we just get an experience and then we go. This is something we're actively involved in. And we, oh man, we did, we always went to church. Even when we went on vacation. you, know, you think you go on vacation and, it's nice now because you can jump on and join us, you know, while you're still lying in bed on the phone, which I have done many times when I've been on vacation. But we actually had to find a church, I remember the. The time that sticks out to me the most is once we went to Jamaica, and Sunday came around. You think we're in Jamaica? Come on, right? It's the beach. The Lord understands. Uh, <laughs> we found a church, and we just found a church. My dad just said, "Where is there a church?" You know, and we didn't have to go on and find out what their statement of faith was. You know, and how do they baptize? Are they pre-trib, post-trib? You know, how do they view the gifts of the Holy Spirit? It was just there a church? They believe it- believe God? Yeah, let's go. And we showed up, and I tell you what, we stuck out. Quite a bit. I'm not gonna lie. We were the whitest things they had seen there, I think, ever. You know, my dad gets dark, but for whatever reason, the rest of us did not get the Puerto Rican skin. Neither my sister or I. My sister's got curly red hair. I mean, remember the kids just coming up and touching her hair, like, is that real? Never seen it before. Now, I tell you what, I can't remember what that minister said. I didn't get much from it, but I tell you what, we were probably more of a blessing to them than they were to us, and that was the, that was like, what my parents were trying to get across. As we get together and we give back. Actually I think, you know, we gave a little offering in there, and I think that we just met their budget for the next two months off of what we get, just bless that church, right? Just this little church in the middle of nowhere. So growing up, that was just a part of what it was. Now, you know, as I started becoming a teenager and started becoming self-aware, you know, kind of like when Skynet came online. And that's just a little joke out there for all the Terminator folks out there. and the computers become aware and try and take over the world. Okay, anyway, you know, you remember Arnold Schwarzenegger had to come back in time, trying to, never mind. I don't need to go through the plot of Terminator. That was not beneficial to you, but it's a historical documentary. Check it out, great. Um, (laughs) So as a teenager, I become self-aware, and I started asking things, well, (laughs) we're at church all the time. Why do I, I have to go. My mom, she was so great. I've said this before, you know, she would say, you don't have to go, you get to go like mother so then i i'm not going to go no 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 you get to go so you're saying i have to go no you don't have to go you get to go and i, I just finally give up never had that conversation with my children at all wherever they are uh, <laughs> and it was it's just uh and but then it was and then it wasn't just enough that we were there we had to do stuff we had to get involved you know, and you get old enough, it's like, you gotta do something. I don't wanna do anything because then I gotta go and do something I don't wanna do, I don't know how to do around people that I don't really care to be around. Amen. <laughs> now, it didn't matter because guess what? I got to get involved as well. And I had to find something to do, so I thought, well, okay, I'd, I can sing and play the guitar a little, maybe I'll go do that. And I, I did it a little bit, you know, and it was nice to be on the stage and... Because we can be up here and we don't have to interact with other people as much. (laughs) Good if you're an introvert. (laughs) Sit in behind your instrument. But no, no, no. Uh, I had to also uh, go and it was a great idea my mom had that I would go and play music and sing for the little kids. (sighs) And I wasn't good around little kids. I didn't know what to do with little kids. I was the youngest one and... Uh, my family, I was never around babies. I, I didn't understand them. I still vaguely understand them. I've somehow raised four of them. Uh, you can thank my wife for that. Uh, but I, I didn't want, I don't want to go meal, deal with little kids. And it wasn't thing like you just went and did one large gathering of little kids. It was like we have here where there's multiple, because you got to break up all the kids or it turns into Lord of the Flies or something. But you know, you got to go to each little room. And you sit there, and you gotta play. I'm gonna play this the light of mine again for another group of people who aren't listening to anything that I'm doing, and understanding how beautifully I'm playing this. Right? You just, I'm just sitting there thinking this isn't making a difference. But I'm telling you, it ended up kind of blessing me. I got other people involved because I thought if I have to sit in this misery, I want my friends to be with me. Amen. <laughs> and I got my cousin, who his mom also told him he gets to do that. And then, you know, and then we start bringing in other people, and it sort of turned into something neat. Now, I'll tell you what, as soon as I was able to get out of that, praise the Lord, I got out of that. Um, but it was just something that we, we did. It was something that was just drilled into me. I, I couldn't imagine going to a church and not finding some way to get involved because I'd hear in the back of my brain, still to this day, my mom's saying, Phil, you need to get involved. But I don't want to. Why do I have to? You don't have to, you get to. All right, and so that's a little bit of what I want to, talked to you about this morning. Now, I went through this with the first service. It was kind of funny. It was a little awkward for both of us because I know most of you don't get involved. Um, and so I felt like you know I was a salesman trying to sell something to people that they really don't want. Uh, but as we'll read here soon, this is what I'm called to encourage you guys into works of service, and you're supposed to do works of service. So let's just, we'll, we'll get through this, all right? We'll do this together, amen? It'll be fast. But... Really, But what I do want to point out is I want to point out the why of why we do this. You know, what my mom was saying when she said, you don't have to, you get to. She was saying something profound, actually, in that. And as I begin to read the scriptures and understand stuff, I was like, well, holy cow. That was actually really deep, you know. Because as you read the scriptures, you find out that, you know, God does things for us, asks nothing in return other than for us to believe and then we're called to live a certain way and to do things in response to that. Not because we have to, but because of, in view of his mercy, this is what we do. All right, so I'm gonna be taking a look today at uh, Ephesians. And our text is gonna be in Ephesians 4, but I wanna show you how Ephesians work because Paul, he uses this whole letter uh, to the church in Ephesus to kind of set this whole thing up. The first half of it, It's kind of setting up this story of what God did and then the last three chapters are, so then here's what we're supposed to do in response to. You know, and I'm sure Paul had some, do we have to? No, guys, you get to uh, things in there. So, but instead of listening to me explain the first three chapters, I found something that was much more creative and entertaining to watch, uh, put together by The Bible Project, which my wife can go, Woo! she's big fans of theirs. And uh, they're gonna set up and just kind of show these first three
0: chapters. Let's do that. Paul's letter to the Ephesians. The story of how Paul came to the city of Ephesus is really interesting. You can go read about it in Acts chapter 19. Ephesus was a huge city. It was the epicenter of worship for most of the Greek and Roman gods. And for over two years, Paul had a really effective missionary presence there, and lots of people became followers of Jesus. Years later, after being imprisoned by the Romans, Paul wrote this letter. The movement of thought in the letter divides into two really clear halves. In the first half, Paul is exploring the story of the gospel, how all history came to its climax in Jesus and in his creation of this multi-ethnic community of his followers. The second half of the letter is linked to the first by the word, therefore. And here Paul explores how the gospel story should affect how we live every part of our life story, personally, in our neighborhoods and communities and in our families. So let's dive in and we can see how Paul develops all of this. Chapter 1 opens with a beautiful Jewish-style poem where Paul praises God the Father for the amazing things that he has done in Christ Jesus. From eternity past, the Father has purposed to choose and bless a covenant people and think here the family of Abraham and Genesis chapter 12 verses 1 through 3. And through Jesus now anyone can be adopted into that family. Jesus's death covers our worst sins, our worst failures, and in Jesus we find God's grace. In fact, Paul says, that grace has opened up a whole new way for us to understand every part of our lives. He says in chapter 1 verse 10 that God's purpose was to unify all things in heaven and on earth under Christ, which is a title that means Messiah. God's plan was always to have a huge family of restored human beings who are unified in Jesus the Messiah. This divine purpose became clear, Paul says, when we were first made into that family, and here he's referring to ethnic Jews in the family of Abraham. But then Paul talks about how you, and here he means non-Jews, you all heard about Jesus and the salvation through him. And you were also brought into this family by the work of the Holy Spirit. And so here he's referring to the events told in the stories of Acts about how God's Spirit brought together Jew and non-Jew into one family in Jesus. It's just like God promised to Abraham long ago. Notice also how in this poem, Paul begins by talking about God the Father, but then about Jesus the Son, and then here at the end about the Spirit. All three work together as Paul tells the story of the gospel. It's really cool. After the poem, Paul responds with a prayer. He prays that these followers of Jesus would not just know about, but personally experience the power of the gospel, that they would be energized by the same power that raised Jesus from the dead and placed him as the exalted head of the whole world. Now in chapter 2, Paul goes back and he elaborates on some key ideas from the poem in chapter 1, especially God's grace and this new multi-ethnic family of Jesus. He begins by retelling the story of how these non-Jewish Christians came to know Jesus. Before hearing about Jesus, they were physically alive, but they were spiritually dead. They were trapped in a purposeless life of selfishness and sin, and they were deceived by dark spiritual forces of evil. But amazingly, God, in his great love and mercy, he saved them, he forgave all of their sins, and he joined their lives to Jesus' resurrection life, and he's brought them back to life, too. And so now, having been created as new human beings through Jesus, They have the joy of discovering all of the new calling and purposes and tasks that God has set before them. Not only have they been shown God's grace, they've also been invited into a new family. Before hearing about Jesus, these non-Jewish people, they were not just cut off from God, they were cut off from his covenant people, the family of Abraham, and for a really practical reason. The commands of the Sinai covenant, they formed like a boundary line around the family. They were like a barrier that kept most non-Jewish people away. But in Jesus, the laws of the Torah have been fulfilled and the barrier is removed The two ethnic groups have become, as Paul puts it, a new unified humanity that can live together in peace. So Paul goes on in chapter three to marvel at the unique role that he got to have in spreading this good news to non-Jewish people. And even though he's in prison, he's thanking God for the chance he's had to see this covenant family grow so huge. So Paul closes the first half of the letter with another prayer. This time he prays that Jesus' followers would be strengthened by God's spirit to simply grasp and comprehend the love that Christ has for his people.
1: All right, so that's Paul sitting up, he's talking about all of these things that God has done for you, that he's done for us, that he has called us into his family now, that he has forgiven us, that we were once spiritually dead and now we are alive in him. And again, all that's been asked of us is simply to believe. You know, it's not like, I don't know if you've ever looked into or you're aware of any other like cults and some of these religions. I was, got on a Netflix binge a while back when the whole world was shut down. What else are you gonna do? And I came across um, some of these documentaries and reading about these. And the one that got me the most, it seems like, why would anybody do this? Is the Scientology one? You know, it's so weird. And it starts where you're nothing. And then if you pay them and go through their program, you can reach one level. And if you pay more and go through another program, you reach another level. And and that's the whole thing is about to reach this. How is that more appealing than Christianity where you you understand the one true God, he's given and done all this stuff for you. What do I have to do? Just believe. Isn't that wonderful? Now, it doesn't end there. Because guess what? Being a part of the body of Christ, it is not a spectator sport. We are called to do something. Oh, great, you're gonna hit the stuff we have to do. No, we're gonna talk about the stuff you get to do. All right, so now Paul sets this up. And he says here, he starts in chapter four, just picking up right where it left off. He said, as a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. So he's saying, in view of all of that, in view of what's happened and what you've called to be, now I urge you now to live the life worthy of this. There's a way that we're supposed to live. We're supposed to be a part of this thing. And then he goes in and he starts talking about, because we talked about, you know, we got this, it's this big family, we're all pulled together. And I don't know if you've ever gotten lots of people from different backgrounds and thoughts and things like that and try and unify them. It doesn't go well. Uh, you know, Facebook and Twitter are a great example of that. Uh, it's not what I'd call a lot of unity in there. So Paul sees this. he says, okay. So he says here in verse two, he says, so be completely humble and gentle. Again, remember, humility means You don't start with, I'm right. Well, let me tell you how I'm right. Because I know all of us in here, we think we're right, and we have all the answers, and if everyone else would just listen to us, we'd all get along, right? But humility comes in, and even if you are right, it doesn't lead with, I'm right. It lowers yourself a little bit to connect, which is good. He says, because we need to be patient, (laughs) bearing with one another in love, and he says we need to make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. He says there is one body, there is one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. This is one. We're a part of this one family, but it doesn't mean we're like the little you know Borgs. I don't know if you're Star Trek fans, but the Borg were these. I'm hitting a lot of sci-fi stuff. You can also tell that I spent a lot of time on the sci-fi channel when I was young. Anyway, the Lord will use that now to minister to you, I'm sure. But these Borgs, they would go and they'd take over other people and it was all about transforming them into them. And now you're like us and you think of us and it wasn't I am, it was we are the Borg. We are the Borg. They just thought these mindless little creatures that follow along. That's not what is set up here when we're all called to one thing. We're a group, a family made up of individuals. And Paul points that out here. He says, in verse seven, he says, but to each one of us, again, that's the individual. Each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. So there's been something given to you, each and every single one of us. Again, starting off with my statement of there is no such thing as a believer who is not gifted to do the ministry of the body of Christ. And now he goes on here and he he starts quoting psalms here when he says we ascended uh, when he ascended on high he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. See he's using this analogy of you know when kings would go in and they would take and they would win something they'd take the captives and they got all the money and the riches and stuff and then bring it back to the people. Well he's saying Christ did the same thing when he died on the cross he went down and he defeated sin and death. And now those, he holds those captives. But then it says he also gave gifts to his people. That's us. He's given each one of us gifts. It's like we've got this little thumbprint. It's unique in each and every person. Now it says, what does he ascend mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? Again, setting up the um, argument here for what Christ had done. He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens. Uh, It says, so Christ himself, he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers. He names a few of the things. Now he's naming some of the leaders of the church here. Uh, You know, like I'd fall under pastor, teacher. And so this is what I'm (laughs) called to do. It says in verse 12, to equip his people for works of service. I told you it'd be uncomfortable for (laughs) y'all because we are called to do things. You're called to be a part of this. This is something we do together. The ministry of the church isn't something that you sit and watch us do and applaud us. This is something that you should be a part of. You need to be a part of it. And he's given each and every one of you gifts to get involved in. And it says, the reason that I need to encourage you to equip as people for works of service is so that the body of Christ may be built up. It's all a part of this thing. Now, I know it's tough because whenever you talk about, you know, gosh, you've, I've used the word "works" quite a few times today. Works of service <laughs> doesn't that sound fun? You know, you often hear about volunteering to do ministry, and volunteering just has a. You know, I don't like to volunteer for things. Um, you know, you're asked to volunteer for things, and you have your like kids in sports, and then you have volunteer hours you have to do, right? or you, had, like, you have to pay 50 bucks. I pay the $50 up front. <laughs> I'm just like, because yeah, I don't want to get in and volunteer. It's super easy, but there's something about volunteering that's just like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be around that. But when it comes to work in the church and being a Christian, it is more than just, hey, just kind of help out. This is something I'm called to do. This is something you're called to do. Because of what God has done for us. So you're saying there's stuff that I have to do. No, there's stuff you get to do. Now, the reason that a lot of people, you know, don't get involved more, do, do more ministry and connecting with the church is, you know, just the classic excuses everyone has, right? We don't have enough time, I don't have the ability. Some people, I have too much ability, and the church doesn't have this the perfect spot for me. It's true if you've been around the church for a while or you volunteered before and you got burnt out, I'm done, I don't do this. And I get that, but listen, you guys, if you are not involved in doing this ministry, there is something that God has put on you and you're not allowing him to use it. Think, well, I don't have very much to give. Well, it's a good thing you serve a big God. He doesn't need much. He just needs a willingness. You know, it's like, the story of Jesus when he fed the multitude. He says, we got thousands of people to feed. What do we have? Some kid, I huh? do got some, a couple bread and some fish. I mean, that probably wouldn't have feed, fed 10 people. But when he gives it to God, Jesus took it and he fed thousands with some left over. That little bit that that kid had that most people would have looked at and said, that's nothing. What can I do with this? Was not only enough, it was more than enough. You need to have faith that God can use you, that he really did. He's not lying, that this stuff is true, that he's really put something on you. I don't have a lot of time. How much do you have? How much can you give? Where can you start? Say ability. Well, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> what in the world can I do? Why don't you come in and chat, you know, we've got this thing called Growth Track, and I don't know if you've been through that, but one of the things that they do through there is they've got these spiritual assessment, kind of helps you see, Certain ways you lead. It's not an exhaustive list of things, because obviously, you know, uh, there's a myriad of different colors and shapes of spiritual giftings everyone has, but it certainly helps. If anything, it helps, you know, uh, us know what you would be good at or not good at, you know? If you can't sing a lick, we probably aren't going to put you on the stage, you know? But they got a great heart. They want to do it absolutely. Yeah, they do. And that this is not where they're meant to be. We can help you find things. Not everything requires a huge ability. And then two, maybe you're someone, you've been in the church for a while. You consider yourself spiritually mature. And to be quite honest, you're just, you know, you know this gifting stuff and you just, well, I'm just, just, I can't get involved in that. That's not my gifting. That's not what I'm gifted to do. That's a gift cop-out. You know, Tim Keller's got this great quote about this. He says this. He says, every single gift is also a duty. He said, for example, everybody is supposed to give, right? But not everyone has the gift of giving. Everybody is supposed to evangelize. That's what the Bible tells us. But not everybody has the gift of evangelism. Everybody is supposed to encourage, but not everybody has the gift of exhortation. Everybody is supposed to have faith, right? You can't be a Christian if you don't have some faith. But it doesn't mean that we all have the gift of faith. Everybody should be praying for healing, but it doesn't mean that everybody has the gift of healing. What does this mean? It means don't gift cop out. Don't say, well, I'm not gifted to do that. That's not what I'm gonna, I shouldn't do that. I'm gifted to do something else, so I I shouldn't do that because that's not my gifting. Well, guess what? We're all called to do this stuff. My gifting certainly is not dealing with children. And guess what I still got to do? Work with kids sometimes. You know, if, if really, man, if the church would, if we would all just get this and we would really understand this and believe this, man, you have no idea the ministry that could be done in our neighborhoods and in our cities. You know, because money's not the answer. You say, well, if we just had more money, we'd do more ministry. We'd just have more money. To to be honest with you, sometimes I think like that and I need to repent. Oh, if we had more money, we'd do more stuff. No, you know what it is? You know what God's given us? He's given us all together. We're one family. supposed to be working on this together. This is not something that I do or the people up here do and you sit back there and you watch and applaud. We're supposed to be involved in this. So I have to do it? No, you get to do it. Don't worry, mom. Your words are still ringing true here. Now... Again, I, and, I, and I do want you to understand, really to understand, because I feel kind of bad when I'm telling people you need to do something or you should be doing something. This, we don't get any extra levels, all right? This is not Scientology, all right? You don't get an extra badge. If you you know, Peter's not up there and when he comes through, he's checking to see if you got your volunteer hours in or not, like, yeah, you gotta go back to the line and wait a little bit. That's not how it, That's not how it is, all right? God loved you. He did all of this stuff for you anyway. Jesus died on the cross for your sins before you even were in existence. He forgave you of what you did before you ever did it. He's given these gifts already. It doesn't require anything of us. We just need to believe. And I'm just saying, if you're here this morning and and you believe that and you've accepted that and you've, yes, thank you so much, I'm a believer, think, okay. So what's my response? How should I live? How should I carry myself? What should I be doing now? And this is what Paul is talking about as we finish out the rest of this chapter. I'll pick up in uh, verse 13. It says, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son and become mature, From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. You want to begin getting more mature in your faith and grow, bless you. Then you need to get past that. There's some of us who've been around for a while and we're still kind of like little kids in faith. That's okay. We still love you, God still loves you, but we want to see you grow more and watch God do even more in your life and watch how it rewards you even more. But we all have to get apart, each a part of the body. Some of you are thinking, I don't know, man, I think I'm the appendix. I don't think you're the appendix. I'll tell you what, I have been to some churches before where I think that person is an appendix. I'm not sure what they do but then at some point, they just become really toxic and you have to throw them out. Like, <laughs> that was awful. Lord, forgive me. For, I, I just preached on kindness. Like, and you remember what I, I did on 4th of July for the tens of you that were here. The, uh, I preached on kindness, and I, was, I did say that I felt like I was preaching to myself on that. Um, so Lord, help me to be kind. That was not a kind statement. Wow, I felt like I was going somewhere and just really crushed it right there. Okay, Anyway. Should we move on to our time of communion now? (laughs) So we can, the ushers can get ready and the band can come out. But guys, seriously, I hope you feel my heart on this and that you really begin to believe that there is no such thing as a believer who is not gifted to do ministry in the body of Christ. My hope is that you guys want to get involved. Come in and talk to us. If you're here at this campus, come and talk to Becky. I mean, my my hope is that so many of you guys bug her that she comes back, she's like, oh my goodness, we need to create new ministries. So many people want to help, I don't know what to do. Yeah, that would be wonderful. Instead of barely trying to keep the life support, the things we are doing. And so just think about that, pray about that. And again, not because you have to, because you get to. All right, well, as we transition into our time of communion, we're reminded of the words of the Apostle Paul When he wrote this in Corinthians, he said, everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink of the cup. So with those words in mind, let us now bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, before we partake of the bread and the cup this morning, in obedience to the scriptures, God, we pause now to examine ourselves. If we've sinned against you in thought, word, or deed, by what we have done or by what we have left undone, if we have not loved you with our whole heart, if we have not loved our neighbors as ourselves for the sake of your beloved son, Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a sacrifice for our sins, have mercy on us, forgive us of all our sins, strengthen us in all goodness, and by the power of your Holy Spirit, keep us in eternal life, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. And now as our heads are still bowed, if you are someone who's never truly experienced God's saving grace in your life, I just ask that you take some time, maybe as we begin, the band begins to play, and we gonna take, I mean, just take a moment and just quietly, in your own words, ask Jesus to forgive you and invite him to come into your life. Amen.